Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to today's podcast. It's called The Winning Pitch and it's designed to give you an example of using, listening to someone else's story and finding pieces in it to stimulate your life so that everything goes better for you. Today's guest is a personal friend of mine. His name is Steve Spray and Steve will introduce himself to you and tell you his story. So the stage is yours, brother. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on, man. And so uh, I am Steve Spring. And, you know, I work for a guy that probably a lot of people know. And I know it's somebody that you follow very closely. And so I work with a guy named Grant Cardone. So what do you, you'll be diving into how I got to come work with Grant, the hard knocks before or when I got there? You know, you can start this in the womb if you want, or you can start it in junior <laughs> high school. Let's tell your story yeah. and go to what you think is the beginning. Yeah. Well, I think the beginning, you know, starts off with where I grew up. You know, I grew up on a farm, Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you guys know where that's at, there's not a lot of people talking a lot about success there. You know, there's a really set mindset. There's a set way of living, you know, that we grew up. My dad was, he had a job and then he would come home and then he would work on the farm. So from an early age, you know, I was out there working with him. So when I would come home from school and he would come home from work, that's the time I went to spend with my dad where, you know, I would go work. We'd be changing tires on cars and tractors or changing oil, working on machines and things like that. And which that was cool for me back then, you know, so I'm a kid and, you know, I got, I'm working with my dad and, you know, we're getting dirty and, and having a good time. So I think early on, I built a lot of skills in just work ethic, you know, and I think I learned that the most from my dad, which probably was the one thing that I carried into the business world, I think that helped me out the most, you know, so fast forward through there, you know, I went through school and, you know, I took part in a few college courses at the local community college. I learned real quick that wasn't for me and the way, which was cool though, because I was told like my, I was really the first person to go to college in my family. So, you know, that's what I was being told. They were like, Hey, you need to go to college. But then when I went to go ask for help on to pay for college, my parents were like, you got to pay for that. So here I am broke, no money and just coming out of high school. And I had to go learn how to write checks every semester. And so I worked and went to school at the same time. I mean, I did that off and on for a couple of years and learned a lot. You know what was funny is I didn't actually think that I finished, but my mom did call me one day when I was like 24, 25. And she goes, you didn't tell me you graduated. I like, graduated from what? And she says, I'm holding an associate's degree for your college graduation. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. So I guess I did. Yeah, it wasn't very important to you, though. I'm thinking of what you said about your dad telling you you got to pay for it. I used to tell my daughter when she was talking about going to school in high school, I says, remember one thing. You can go to any school that you can afford. I'm not paying for it. Yeah. And she chose to borrow a lot of money and go to a four-year college and come out of school with, you know, I don't know what it's going to amount to, hundred dollars to $200,000 worth of debt. Makes no sense yeah. with me because she used to work for me in, in a summertime in between calling in sick to school. And mm -hmm. 
I get her on the phones and I have her make an outbound phone call to me. And I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. So she went to school to become a physical therapist and got partway into it, as most kids do, and decided this isn't for me. And you yeah. want to know what she does now? She works for ADP as a salesman, cold calling people. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, hopefully she learned a lot at school. You know, I think you learned a lot of disciplines and stuff at school. I probably, you know, that's probably the one thing that I learned at school was to, because um, I had to work and do my schoolwork. And when I was paying for it, I think it meant a lot more to me, you know? So I think I, I probably built some discipline in there, but man, that's hilarious. But I think I learned more doing sales than I did in school, you know, regarding business. You know, I had more of those conversations about with business owners, with people on the mechanics of how their business is working. Like I learned more just in the action of things as a salesperson. Well, Elon Musk was recently made a post about you can learn everything that you need to know for free, as opposed to going to school and paying for it and being taught useless stuff and, you know, Mm -hmm. unapplicable processes. And it's just, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I know Elon, but yeah, yeah. You you know, it's, it's, it's school <laughs> to me was, I don't know that it was a heck of a lot different for me in high school or college, but what I learned was how to get away with stuff, how to chase girls, including yep. t- teachers that were female and, and other things that were not very profitable for me as I got a little bit older in life. So anyway, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead and finish this. Keep, keep telling your story. The people are here because they want to listen to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I think a lot of people go through that, you know, myself included in school. But when I was in college, actually, I was in construction. That was really more along the lines of the people that I was around, the lifestyle I grew up, like my aunts and uncles and everybody. I mean, they're all construction or they're like, you know, really that blue collared worker job. And so that's what I did. And after a while, I remember when I was 19 or 20 years old, this, I was still going to school actually on this, but I remember coming home from, I would go back and forth from being an electrician, wiring houses, to uh, being a landscaper. And because I work with these two people where, you know, when one didn't have the job, I'd just go work with the other guy. And so we were on and off and they both actually knew each other, right? And so I remember coming home one day from the landscaping job and I'd been carrying like bricks all day and I'm like 19 and I had to like lay down and I'm just like having these crazy back pains. And I remember just laying there thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, I'm 19 years old. Like, I know for sure that I should not be feeling the way that I was. But I was like, dude, I can't do this much longer. Like, I'm wrecked right now. And, and I'd been working at this job for a couple of years. But I really, that was the point where I had it. And so I went out and I actually went, I started going business to business to just ask, like, hey, do you guys have work, jobs, anything? I found a boat dealership where I walked in and I was like, man, it looks cool to work here. And I actually walked into the boat dealership and I walked in and of course somebody greeted me. It was the sales manager. And I said, Hey, are you guys hiring for any jobs around here? Like I didn't know how to professionally get a job at that point. So I'm just stumbling in to say, Hey, do you guys have anything? And you know, I'm dressed nice. You know, I've always been like a good looking dress guy. Like it's kind of always been my style. And so this guy really was like, well, you ever been in sales? And I was like, Nope. And he was like, okay, well, yeah, hey, come back on Friday. We'll see if we can't get you an interview here. And I was like, all right. So I didn't think anything of it. I think I'm coming back because maybe they got some job for me. I, you know, I would have taken anything, by the way, you know, cleaning boats. I, that's what I actually thought. I thought it'd be like, I bet they have jobs in the back. So then I come back on Friday and the guy's like, hey, so I want you to be a salesperson. You know, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. He's like, you can do it. He's like, I'll teach you everything. And that was how I got my first sales job. 
you know? So I really stumbled into it. And then come to find out, actually, it was funny because he told me like a week later, he's like, because he asked me to go hang out with him after work. And he was like, hey, let's go get a drink after work. And at this point, I was kind of like out of that scene. And, uh, and I was like, nah, man, I'm good. He's like, what? He's like, man, honestly, I hired you because I thought you looked fun to party with. <laughs> That's how my sales career I've goes. always heard that about you, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now nah, I'm fun. I'm just, I'm out of that scene. So I wasn't doing that. But, you know, I worked there for a couple of years and, you know, struggled in sales. And I moved from that to selling cars. I was selling real estate. I was going different places. I'll tell you. I had trouble in all of these areas. I had trouble, you know, I made, actually, I made the best money selling books, but then I went to selling cars. I did okay there after I got a little bit of training, but I'd sold real estate. I sold insurance. I worked at T-Mobile for a little while, selling phones. And I always had a problem being successful and doing well. And somebody finally said, uh, I actually heard this one day from Grant Cardin. He goes, you know what you want? You know, you're the the common ingredient in all those recipes right there. And I just started to think to myself, I'm like, dude, that's right. I am the one in all these. I'm like, what? So I really had to get myself together. And so um, I started to study Grant Cardone, which is what, you know, kind of led me into the next phase of my life. So the first time I remember seeing you is you were on a television show. I think it was called Whatever It Takes, where you did the live interview. That's right. Yeah, this is, so, so I studied Grant for, when Grant came to town, actually, I had a sales manager who said, hey, you need to go see this guy. You need to go watch him. Were you selling cars at that point? Yes, I was selling cars. And I wasn't doing good at that time, but, and he just liked me, you know, likeable guy, you know, like most people, and, you know, just got along with people. And he was like, hey, man, I want you to go to this thing. I'm actually going to pay for it for your ticket to go. And he made all the other sales guys pay, but I was a little bit newer. So he kind of had my back on it. And I remembered if he wouldn't have bought that ticket for me, I wouldn't have went because I remember the only reason I did go was because he bought it. And I remember talking to one of the salespeople there. I'm like, dude, why do they want us to go to this event? I mean, I'm, I can't take off a day. I'm already trying to figure out how to get out of this thing because I'm like, dude, I can't, they want me to take off a full day. I got to drive up there. I got to sit in. I got to talk to, I got to listen to some guy talk about sales. I'm out here selling. I'm like, and I just had no idea. I go to this event and I show up and there's probably 200 people, maybe 300 in the room. Grant Cardone's the speaker. It's the first time I'd ever heard, met him. I didn't know anything about him until the second. Okay. And this guy just lights up the room. I mean, this guy's going, the things that he was saying, I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm just staring at him like crazy. I'm like, man, dude, everything this guy's saying is true, but it also goes against almost everything I've ever heard before. But I believe this guy, like I actually believe this guy's right about everything he's saying. You know, he was talking about don't be broke. You know, he was talking about the amount of calls you need to make per day, like the massive action. Like I agree with all these things. And I started to think like, dude, this guy actually has it down. Like this guy's right. And I guarantee I took more away out of that event that day than anybody in that entire room. And from that day forward, I went back I started reading his books. I started watching his videos. I started training within 45 days of training because we kind of caught that mid-month. By the end of the next month, I had more than doubled my sales. So I went from selling like eight cars a month to sell. I sold 16 cars that month. The following month after that, I sold 24 cars. I hit all my bonuses. I made a check for like 16 grand. And that was a game changer for me because that showed me that 
It was all up to me. I was at cause over every single problem or opportunity or success that was there. And, you know, I really turned it around at that point. So how did you wind up on that show? So from there, I followed Grant for like two years watching him on YouTube. I was like one of the first guys to watch him on YouTube and to follow him. I mean, this is before he had, I mean, he didn't even have a Facebook page at this time. Okay. But today he's got 6 million followers or more than that, actually. There's millions of followers on there. There's, he didn't have a Just Twitter Just make account. up a number. I'd make it a hundred million. Yeah, he's probably got yeah, That's right. He's probably, it's up there. <laughs> that's how he does it sometimes. But I was following him, you know, on YouTube. And so this is where he kept talking about, he's like, hey, I'm moving my offices from LA and moved to Miami and I'm going to be doing a, a little hiring interview. You know, he's gonna, it's going to be like a show. And I never thought anything of it. But after I've seen two or three videos of this, so just mind you the frequency that he does, because I saw him talk about it. And I thought, I'm like, oh, that's going to be cool. That's gonna be, I was waiting for the show to come out because I was too small-minded at that time to think, dude, why don't I get on that show? And I ended up having like, I remember having one of the worst days ever. I think everything was going wrong at this time in my life. Everything was going wrong. And there's probably some out ethics issues on my side for sure. But, you know, I wasn't really looking at that. I was paying attention to, man, I got a bad job. I can't afford my rent. I got no money. The girl I want to be with probably didn't want to be with me. I knew that. Everything's crumbling down. And I was like, dude, I'm going to send a video into this guy. And because that's what you had to do. You had to send a 60 second video in to be on the show. And so I put on, I didn't even have a suit. I remember the suit that you wore was two sizes too big for you is the way I remember it. It was two sizes too big because it wasn't mine. It was a tuxedo jacket that somebody had, I think it was my roommate that had it. And I ended up taking that, by the way. So I had that same thing and I put that on, but I actually knew all this material. So I had all those books. I had the CDs at the time and I do the video and I basically am like, Hey, here's all the books. I've read this book, this book, this book. This is what I like. This is what I got going on. And so I was just diving into, and I hit it. I guess my pitch was good. And I got a phone call a couple of days later. I was like, Hey, so it sounds like you want to come down here and be on the show. And so I came down, I was the, one of the first episodes because they had spread out that whole season and I come down and I show up and, you know, there's so, there's long stories about being in Miami. The first part from moving from Indiana to Miami, two culture totally shock. different culture <laughs> shock, two totally different places, by the way. I mean, it's just totally crazy. Right. So I was looking for a place to stay, but the difference is the amount of money in rent. So I was splitting a room, paying the guy 400 bucks a month and living in Indiana, in the ghetto in Miami, it's 1500. So like, if you want to, I mean, gunshots at night, worst place in Miami is 1500 for like a one bedroom. So I'm trying to figure out how do I even do this? I start calling around on, somebody said, hey, look for rooms on Craigslist. All right, whatever. It doesn't sound safe, but you know, I was like, hey, I'm going down for this thing anyway. And uh, I was like, that's a better alternative than going to my car. You know, worst case scenario, I ended up rooming with somebody. And so I start calling around on people on Craigslist and they all speak Spanish. And so I can't even talk to them. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I ended up talking to this one lady. She was very nice, very sweet. Like she was this Colombian lady. And, and I called about her room in her house. And she was like, yeah, you know, and I was telling her about my job. And she was very nice. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is great. Blah, blah, blah. And so and I told her where my office was. And she was like, ah, you know, I live kind of far from there. She's like, but I do have, I will let you rent a cot 
I own a used furniture store on South Beach. I'm going to let you rent uh, for 500 bucks if you want to stay there for like a month or two. And I was like, what? So she was going to let me rent a cot and she gave me a dresser to sleep in the back of this furniture store. I was like, okay, is there a shower and everything there? And she's like, yeah. I was like, send me a picture of it, you know, because I'm like thinking hey, this is going to be, you know, this might just be too crazy. And so she sends me a picture of the shower. The shower's clean and everything. So I'm like, done, deal. And so I come down here and I actually lived in the back of this furniture store on a cot. And, you know, like illegally, you can't live in a strip center, uh, you know, retail real estate where you've got a furniture store there, which was awesome, by the way, because at nighttime I could pick any couch that I wanted to hang out on. And uh, you, didn't, you didn't sleep on your cot, did you? You slept in the lazy boys. Yeah. <laughs> the rec- yeah, yeah at yeah. least it was a recliner. Yeah, no, I did actually. I stayed in there because I was always worried because there was like glass windows. So you could always see in there. And I was always like kind of worried. I'm like, dude, if somebody breaks in here, but like in the room where I was, it was kind of hidden and in the back. And I was new to the city, right? So I'm like, I don't really know what to expect. So I'm kind of following the rules. And so it was cool. But I did that. I ended up staying there for, for eight months, actually. So, you know, there was, I had to do the show. I came down. I ended up winning the show. The show was crazy. If you guys haven't seen it, go to Grant Cardone, whatever it takes on YouTube. You guys will be able to see it. And I ended up winning that show, getting a You're job. On, you, which second? It wasn't the first one, right? Actually was. But I think on YouTube, it's not labeled under a number. And then if you see it on our Grant Cardone TV, I think it's labeled under episode number five. Okay. Yeah. Or episode number four, four or five, one of those. And so uh, okay. I remember it was on the back half. but. It was cool, you know, so I got to see that and I won and they were just kind of like, okay, well, are you starting? And I'm like, I ain't got a choice. Like I kind of came down here actually, you know, really thinking that I was going to get this job. So I didn't know what to expect on the show anyway. You know, I didn't really know how serious it was. There wasn't a bunch of promotion on it. You know, there was just Grant on his YouTube (laughs) talking about doing an interview and I'm like. So what was going through your mind? You're going down, you're going to do this show. And you're Mm -hmm. not certain that you're going to get a job out of it, correct? I wasn't, but I also kind of was a little bit because I didn't know how intense the show was going to be. It was way more intense when I got there than what I actually thought, because I just imagine you got this guy, he's like talking about hiring people. There was never a show on this thing, right? So he's like, hey, we're going to film it. We're going to be doing all this and that. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, that sounds cool. Like my thought was just to come down and like get a job with them. Like I didn't necessarily know that it was going to come down to me standing in ice on the side of the streets in Miami selling fish to people walking by and having to like do all the crazy things I did on that show. But yeah, I mean, I kind of. What was the funny, I'm sure my, our listeners will like this. What was the funniest thing, most unexpected thing that happened to you during the filming of that show? There was a guy that I competed against who didn't have any legs. And so this guy... I think they remember that, yeah. Yeah, so he didn't have any legs. Me and this guy like bonded though. He was really cool. But he was uh, he didn't have any legs. And he had uh, prosthetics that he could pull on and off. And so we were actually given a task where everybody had to carry all this carpet out of the office and down six flights of stairs to a dumpster. I remember so that I'm prob- part. Yeah. So I'm probably like the most athletic guy in the whole thing. I mean, there was different guys and there was women there and there was this guy with the no legs thing. Right. And so, but he was like totally going to be a part of it. Like me and him were kind of leading the pack. Like it was awesome. And at one point we were outside dragging all this carpet. Like if you know carpet, there's a big pad underneath Mm -hmm. that stuff is 
heavy. So imagine a big rolled up thing and I'm carrying this across the street. There's cars coming and we got it and we're like timing. And we got Grant in the back, like just yelling. He's like, hurry up. You know how Grant is. And so he's just like, you know, yelling, telling us to hurry. This guy, the prosthetic leg, stops in the middle of the street, pulls off both of his prosthetic legs. So he's got like 90, it's above, they were cut off above the knee. Wow. This guy is carrying carpet, not a ton of it, but it was enough where it was like, dude, that was very, like, even that was like just impressive because like the others couldn't. He's carrying it running across the street with no legs. He's like, but he could like maneuver his like upper part of the leg. He could like run on that part. Like it was crazy. Like, I mean, he said he had lived like that his entire life. So he was kind of well-versed in it, but dude, it was super inspiring. So it was really one of the strangest parts of the whole thing because you don't really see that every day. So when you just pull off their legs and then start like actually producing more, by the way, like this guy was even more, he was operating better without him. So that was really probably one of the craziest things that I've seen on that show. Also, one of the most inspiring stuff. So that was uh, that was awesome. Do you stay in communication with him? No, no, I haven't talked to that guy. I had one. This has been eight years since we had that show, and I had one person reach out to me since then. But I never ended up getting like their numbers or anything. And social media wasn't that big back then. It was okay. just coming up. Awesome. So you go through it. They announce you as the winner. Then what happens? Well, this is where the hardest part happens. Now I actually get to work for Grant Cardone. This is where I didn't really have the type of skills that I needed to to perform at the job because I was an inside salesperson. I really had never had that type of position before. So it was new. I was also selling to business owners. And where before, most of my job was you know, more of a retail situation where I'm actually selling to consumers and people. And like, you know, I'm like trying to sell Mrs. Jones and Mr. Jones a boat versus, or like a Honda Accord versus now I'm selling a training product to general managers of car dealerships. These people are brutal, by the way, you know, I mean, these are like 20 year, uh, like veterans in business who have like been negotiating with grinders for years. They're hardest grinders in the world. You know, I remember, I remember one day Grant walked in and he said, forget about how hard this is. He said, forget about how much money you're going to make here. If you learn this one skill, you can go anywhere in the world. And I believe that, you know, I think back then it was very hard. I was just like, yeah, because I would believe anything he would say at that point where he was like really my idol and like the guy that I really paid attention to. And I'm like, okay. So I did believe that, but I was also like, you know, I'm like, this is kind of brutal. But now today I definitely agree with that. It's very true. So the first year working there, you know, I'm building up, I got these longer sales cycles. I got no money. I'm living in South Beach in this furniture store. I've got, you know, all the problems that everybody in that position has even before that. Me living mediocre and living that average lifestyle of just getting by, I was making thirty or forty thousand dollars a year before that. It put me into a position to get bad debt on cars. I had credit cards, bad debt there, and that stuff just drowns you. And so I'm moving into this better environment, but I was still pulling along those same problems that were still drowning me, by the way. So the first year, as I'm like trying to build up and like get some income going there, I still had these same problems. I ended up having to sell my car because I couldn't afford it. And I had to ride the bus to work every single day. So I don't know. I know you've been to Miami a lot. I don't know about your listeners. If you ever been to Miami, 
it's hot every single day. The humidity down here is pretty wild. So when you have to wear, you know, suit and tie every day and you're walking eight blocks to the bus every single day, dude, you're already sweating through all of your clothes by the time you get there. And then you got to ride the bus where it's not the nicest bus in the world. I mean, there's some pretty <laughs> scary people on there, by the way, you know, it's a little, you know, there's like some bums out there, you know, it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it, it's enough to be like, dang, man, like, dude, I need to get my stuff together, which gave me some motivation because having to do that every single day, no car. I mean, you couldn't even call my living place a real place. I was living in a furniture store. Like if you stop and think about, I mean, I got all the people back at home who already told me like, hey, don't move down there. Like you're going to move back. I got all those people now going, hey, dude, when are you going to call it quits? You know, like. Because it's even worse now than it seemed when I come down. And, so I'm going to uh, ask you some hard questions. Yeah. What was your gross income the first year you worked at Cardone? Thirty-six thousand dollars. What did you make in 2019? 2019. That was last year. Seven forty-six. Say that slowly for our listeners. Spell it out. Seven hundred and seven hundred and forty-six thousand dollars in seven years. Yeah, in less than seven. Yeah, seven years. Yeah. I'd call that a success story, don't you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So from there, you know, I, I had a really hard year that first year coming in. I did. I made 36000 But, you know, through grants training and through Cardin University and just really being close to him to watch, like he never really coached me because there was so much information available. It was just watching like how he moved. Plus, I'm like the brand new guy who like isn't really producing, right? And he's still you know, he's kind of running and gunning. Yeah, in fact, I remember him making the comment that he was kind of telling people that they should get rid of you. Yeah, he did. No, he actually told Jared, which was my boss at the time. Well, he's still my boss. But he told Jared on three different occasions, hey, get rid of that guy. He's not producing. We got it. He wanted somebody who could come in that like came in with a book of business and could be ramped up quick. And he kept saying, hey, get rid of that guy. You know, which it didn't feel good because Jared at some point had to tell me, he's like, Hey dude, Grant doesn't like, I'm the only guy hanging on. You need to produce something because Grant wants to fire you. Like he doesn't want you to be here. He already told me to get rid of you. Right. So like, imagine me hearing that. So I got the guy that I idolized, but I busted my ass for to come down. I'm living in crazy, like unbelievable. It couldn't even be worse. Like, I mean, it it was terrible. Oh yes, it could. (laughs) Yeah, it could. But from, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm like, man, this is terrible, right? So, and I've got this guy now who I'm trying to work for and like do well, who's like, hey, get this guy out of here. So I wasn't really feeling too good, but I'll tell you what, that gave me so much fuel and so much fire because I kind of turned on him a little bit where I was like, it became this thing where I was like, dude, I'm going to show this guy. And I really did feel that way. Actually, it wasn't even just him. There was another, they hired another sales person that came in at that time. And then there was one other salesperson that came in who had already been working with Grant on the road for a couple of years. And he, Is that Heath? Heath. And Heath okay. was doing well. So I've got all this like, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm ready to explode. And then I got this guy who comes in, who does well. And then he's like getting on the, the accolades from Grant, him and Grant are like, you know, fist bumping and having fun. And I'm just like, I got some like, you know, committed to, dude, I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove them that I can do this. And I like buckled down, man. I went really hard. And that was when the, it was almost like the gear shifted. What did you actually change? I know you, I understand the decision. decision. I made the decision. 
there's a phenomenon that happens when you actually make a decision. Like so many people say like, yeah, no, I've made the decision. No, no, you haven't. You have not made the decision because if you made the decision, literally everything in your life would change. I was working day in, day out. I was working Saturdays. I was working Sundays. I was making more calls than anybody. I was getting more talk time. I was getting hung up more than anybody. I mean, I was getting the worst. I was the worst. And I was studying more. I was spending more time. I was walking around. I had ear pods in all the time. Uh, headphones. I remember I used to have, they weren't even the headphones. They had the beat things that I would put in. I would listen to Grant all the time, the books, the audios. I'm just like taking this in. And I had made the decision that I was going to make it. And that's when, you know, I really understood his material and was able to really use it and, you know, change my life at that point, you know, because then I started to win and really win in a much bigger way. You know, I ended up, I got kicked out of the furniture store because one of the tenants ended up calling. They were mad. They were having a few, you know, tenants up. And I was just caught in the crosshairs, which I was doing something illegal, but he was trying to get her out and blah, 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 whatever. So ended up, I got kicked out one day and I had to go live in a studio, which actually I felt like was worse. It was three times the rent, but it was worse. I mean, this place was bug infested. So my situation got worse, actually. I've lived in apartments where when I would come into my apartment at night after work and turn the light on, that was the cockroaches moving off the counters. I've been there, so I know. Yeah, that's what it was. But I would wake up in the middle of the night and I don't know what they were. They were like these I felt like they were, because this place was made of wood and they were uh, termites, but they had wings, so they would fly. And when I would wake up and they would only come out in the middle of the night and I would come out and it would look like one of those movies where like crazy bugs were everywhere, like millions, it seemed like. And like, honestly, I would have to like get bug killer and things like that. And then sometimes I'd wake up in the morning, there'd be like wings all over the floor. And I'm like, I mean, the bugs were coming out at night. I mean, this was not good. So You know how I got rid of my termites? How's that? I admired them. I just treated yeah. them like friends. And to this day, I admire the hell out of termites. When you realize how long those little creatures have been on this planet and what they've been through and they're still yeah. surviving, you got to admire them. Yeah. They're just ballsy as hell and they can live yeah. off anything. So Yeah. No, you I, didn't, be, I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to bring that point up for you. That's funny because like, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like I wasn't letting it bother me. I think some people would have been like, hey, you know what? Like I'm going to quit. But I had this thing where like, I wasn't letting little things like that stop me from getting where I was going. Like at this point, I was so locked in, but it wasn't still for like another couple months. I think people think that when you lock in or when you like really make the decision or like when you're really going for it, that it's supposed to happen quick. Like, no, this was a really long time, actually. This was months of just getting beat. Like the hardest part about getting through times like this, like even in the times that we're in right now, it's like, and it's the day, like during the day when you're there and you're like in the mix and you're making the calls and like nothing makes sense. That's the worst part. That's when it feels like, dude, this is never going to end. This is where you give up. This is where you quit. This is where you try to go do something different. This is where you're like, ah, this isn't for me versus like hanging in there. Like if you could have just hung in there and had that same day, but had that for like two more months, you would break out on the other side into crazy success, which is really what happened for me. I mean, that's like, I just was willing to say, dude, I'm just going to do this until somebody says, hey, dude, you really do have to get out of here. That's when and I really Grant, started. Grant that. would tell you, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because like that next year, I really popped up and really started doing really well. And somebody asked him, 
a question about what do you do with people, you know, that are taking a long time to be successful. And he really commented on it at that time. He's like, you know, we had a guy like that and I wanted to get rid of him. And he even said, he's like, I wanted to get rid of him, but really I was wrong. Like this guy's a superstar for our company now. He just took longer. And I think when I now just being in my position now where I've helped others develop in our company and and all that I've been through over the past eight years, I really think you got to look at like what people did before, like what had molded them to get there. Because I think people get good quicker because of things that they did beforehand. Like when we go back to me growing up on the farm, dude, I had that work ethic where it was like, hey, you just work until you get the job done. And like that was what saved my life, you know? Awesome. So your dad was pretty valuable. Uh, I tell him all the time, you know, I'm very thankful for my dad. You know, I tell him, you know, and, and he doesn't know it, you know. So like today, fast forward today, where we're at, my net worth's over a million dollars. I'm younger, you know, I'm 34 years old now. And like, I've lived in super nice places for the past couple of years. And like, they see me in this like life and like, you know, but I tell my dad all the time, I'm like, hey man, you're the reason I'm here. You know, Are they still, like, your parents still asking you to come home and give up on Miami now? No, no, it's because they love to come down and vacation now. So now I get it. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So let me ask you a question about, I'm really curious, and this is for me and not necessarily for the audience. Yeah. What was it like being around Grant? You're living in a furniture store. You're scared to death at night. You show up at work. And I would think that the, his management style would scare the shit out of you. Yeah. Or overwhelm it. Yeah. You know, we were a smaller company then too. When I started, there was less than 10 people. So, but yeah, yeah, today there's like 140 right now, just in our office. And then there's probably a couple hundred, but this is where, you know, I wasn't dealing with him one-on-one because he was still running most of his businesses and he had managers. So like Jared was my manager. So, and Jared was a brand new manager at that time because Jared had just moved up from salesperson to manager. So he was grooming Jared to really have this style. So I got kind of lucky where like, I'm coming up where I'm figuring it out. Jared was amazing, by the way. Like this guy already had been doing well with Grant. Like Jared was already like totally good. Like he was, and he was excellent at what he did. He knew how to manage me and like really teach me how to be successful, but he didn't have that, that harder management style the way that Grant did. So I was kind of fortunate yeah, I see a lot of similarities between you and, and Jared. I think there's some yeah. things that you guys do that, that I think that was a really, really fortunate for you to get connected with him. I, I, I love both of you guys, and especially, well, I won't say especially because I like both of you equally because it's yeah. like you're like my kids, even though I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're my dad all the time. So I was wondering about how you dealt with that. So you really didn't, you were just around him when he was talking, and he wasn't necessarily yeah. talking to you. I was in the morning meeting with him every single day. And, you know, so I was with him, I was around him, but he was never really like directly talking to me. I mean, I don't even think he was really helping me out on, he wasn't even really talking to me about sales or anything until like closer to my second year, you know, maybe towards the end. And almost like I had to gain that respect a little bit because he was up there and he was running businesses, you know, like successful businesses already. And so you know, rightfully so. You know, he talks about this all the time. He's like, hey, I don't really pay attention to people until they start producing. Like, he probably, like, he doesn't over-exaggerate that at all. He probably, like, underplays the real reality of it because, like, I remember walking in the hallways, 
and it'd just be me coming one way, him coming the other way. And he wouldn't even look me in the eyes. And I'm just like, you know, and he wouldn't even look at me. He just walked by. So that was frustrating, you know, because like I wanted him to really see me and respect me, but not respect me, but to, I just wanted to like see me and acknowledge me. And so that was probably another thing that actually helped me out, you know, because I did want that, you know, acknowledgement from him that like, you know, Hey man, you're here doing something difficult every single day. And I think he did respect it, but you know, it wasn't until later where like, you know, me and him started to connect a little bit more. So at what point in this eight years, did you feel that what you just said occurred where you started to connect with him and he started to talk to you directly and give you some form of acknowledgement? Yeah. You know, I think it was probably, there was been a couple of counters after that where like he acknowledged me, you know, and he's like, yeah, he'd say, hey, spray, you know, and, and I think I was gaining on him. And I think there was this one time, I'll never forget this time. And I was, I remember he would still kind of pop in and out. Like I would see him every day. He would see me, but we weren't talking to each other. You know, this is probably one of the first like direct lessons I got from him, but I was coming down the elevator one day and this is, I was doing pretty good. I'd saved up a bunch of money at this time. I was like three years into the, to working there and I'm walking out here. He comes walking in and he like slaps me on the chest back in right on the chest. And at this point, by the way, so this is probably like over three years in, and I had made some money in my second year. I made over six figures, like just barely over. I tripled that the next year. So like I was still living very low. I was actually storing a lot of my money at that time. And I had saved up a hundred thousand dollars. Like I literally saved it all. And I remember I just that week before I got $100,000 saved in my bank account at that time. So I don't know if you've ever like seen that, looked at it for the first time, like your eyes pop open and, and like, it's a lot to you at that time. Cause you think back, you're like, dang, dude, that was, it took a lot to get there, you know? And, uh, but I felt like I had some swag. So I'm feeling it that week. And here I come, Grant smacks me on the chest and I don't know why, but he goes, how much money do you have in your bank account? And so at this point, literally in my mind, I thought I was like, Oh my God, this is the perfect time. Like I'm going to be able to tell him, dude, I got a hundred. So, I mean, I like probably bulk up a little bit where I'm just like getting ready to like unleash on him. And I go, like, I think I got over a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. Is what I said to him. And he just looks at me and he goes, dude, you're broke. Why are you taking a lunch right now? He's like, you should be on the phone. Then he just walks off. But he was like looking at me like directly in the eyes that I remember. And then from there on, like, I think we kind of had this like funnier relationship and you know, he's always pops in all the time, says what's up. I've been to a lot of family dinners and, you know, different things like that. And so, you know, we've connected on since then, but I think that was probably one of the first points where like he kind of took that initiative to be like, I'm going to give you a lesson directly. You know, I'll never forget that, you know, because that was a good lesson to learn actually. Taking it down a notch, tell me about your darkest day or your worst day after you started working at Cardone, where you were ready to give it up. I remember working there after about seven or eight months was about the timeline. And there was like two or three other sales guys at that time. And so I was like brand new, but I was like, I was that guy who was teaching them, Hey, this is how you do it. You know, just because I had been doing it for seven months that I'm like, Oh, this is how you get the lead list. This is how you make your calls. This is what you want to say to them. I was like barely having any success by the way, but I, you know, like anybody with a little bit of tenure, you know, feel like they've, yeah. they've done it. And so I'm teaching these guys and I had had a few deals, by the way, but I remember this one kid that worked there ended up closing a pretty significant amount of deals. Like probably he closed more deals in one month. And I think I closed all like the seven months before that. 
and I was also having a bad month. Like I wasn't doing that great. And I remember being like so frustrated. I ended up talking to, this is something I left out of my story earlier. This is probably a really important part of the story actually. I ended up getting a hold of another guy that I knew. And here I am kind of talking shit about this job. You know, they don't do this and that. And I'm kind of going against them. Same thing I was doing in my other jobs, by the way. And so I kind of turned on him a little bit. And he says, hey, man, I can actually help you get another job. I got a guy, I think it was up in Orlando. So I'm in Miami. He's like, you know, it's up in Orlando. I can get you a job. And so I'm having like a bad day. I'm turned on the company, on the deal. I'm like, this is terrible. This is stupid. This is dumb. Everybody was right. I shouldn't be here right now. I live in a furniture store. I had to give up my car. And I remember, and just so you know, by the way, too, when I rode the bus, I had to walk eight blocks in the morning, but at night, their drop-off wasn't the same. At night, I had to walk down six blocks, then up another eight blocks. So it was even worse. So imagine after a bad day, I'm coming home, I'm walking. I mean, so I thought that day, I'm like, dude, they give me this job. I'm freaking out of here. And uh, sure enough, man, they texted me the next day and they said I could come up and work for them. And so that was that day before was probably the worst day. This day, though, kind of bleeding into the next day, I actually said, okay, I'm going to come work for you guys. And so I was taking the job. The problem that I had, check this out. The problem that I had was that I was actually too broke to move. <laughs> I complete, I knew where you were going. I was, you were either going to tell oh, me I had no way to get there or yeah. I can't move. I'm yeah, stuck. No, I actually, yeah. So I was actually too broke to move. Like there was, I could not like out of all, I'd already borrowed tons of money from my grandma. You know, my parents kind of gave up on me on giving me money. You know, they thought I was moving back anyway. So they, they didn't really know what was going on on the day to day. I didn't really have a whole lot at that time. So fortunately, and I'm very thankful that I didn't have money at that time because I wasn't. So being broke saved your job. (laughs) Dude, being broke saved my job. Like I was fortunate that that happened because it forced me to, you know, quit being a little bitch and actually like level up, you know, like what I was saying before, the same problem that I had right there that I had at every other single job before. And, you know, let's just, it's with everything, every bad relationship I had, every bad friendship I ever had, it, it came down to me. It was me. Always it was, does. It always does, man. It always does. And at that point, like I really like it forced me to actually say, I was actually trying to get more commission sales so I could go get that job. But when I ended up winning, like, man, some changes, like this is why success is so important because when, you know, I obviously was not thinking correctly. I'm out of ethics. I'm probably not doing all the right things. I'm negative. I'm hating everything I'm doing. I'm just not doing the right things. But man, you turn that over and like you get on the other side of it and you start having some success and you have some wins. And like all of a sudden, you know, I'm like reminded of, why I came down here and like, you know, why this is so right for me and like why I wanted to do well here. And I'm like, dude, this job's awesome. And I'm like, you know, you get a deal and like everything changes and then you get somebody who sends you a success story. They're like, Hey man, thanks a lot for hanging in there on all those calls, man. You know, our company actually really is enjoying it. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh dude, like this, now this makes some sense. And it's funny how you can just like kind of flip that coin. And like on the other side of it, like maybe your position where you're at right now, Maybe on the other side of it, it's actually perfect. And you're just not doing all the right things that you could be doing to see it that way. I have a very similar situation in my life. I've been married four times. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with my current wife is different than the relationship that I had to the first three. 
And the reason it's different is because I realized the common denominator of those three divorces was me. <laughs> yeah. It was me. I had to change me. I had to change what I was doing or what I was dramatizing or the way that I thought about certain things. And and I have pulled into my life one of the most amazing people. You know, Julie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, she is very amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a driver. And, you know, and I remember the first day that I hired her, I said, when you come to work for me, what you're all you're going to do is you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to give me my battle plan. You're going to come it, the same mm-hmm. at nine o'clock or eight o'clock. And then mm-hmm. At 11 o'clock, you're going to come follow up on me and make sure I'm making my calls. And any calls I haven't made, you're going to put them down and tell me to follow them and come back at one o'clock. So her job was to follow up on me. And she still does it to this day. And she drives me crazy, but that's her job. (laughs) So I can't get mad at her for following up on me because when I first hired her, that was her job and she's never stopped doing it. And I love her for it. But I had to change my viewpoint on how I felt about those kinds of relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, she's amazing. You know, obviously she does a great job there. And, you know, just on that point, you know, having somebody to follow up and like enforce discipline too has been huge for me. You know, when people see me now, they're like, oh, how much money do you make? You know, and like, oh, yeah, like, oh, wow, if I had that position, I could do it. Dude, I get so much discipline put in on me like every single day that it forces me to do well. You know, it's like having a personal trainer. You know, people pay money for a personal trainer to sit in there and like make you do extra reps. And why don't they do that at their job? You know, so you figured it out, obviously, and you figured out, hey, you know what? Like, that's a successful action. You know, I'm going to put somebody in place for that. So that's cool. So we're coming really close to the hour long message. So I don't want to, I know it, it's past your bedtime, right? <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there, man. I got to be up early, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, it, what gotta, time do you, what time do you get up in the morning? I wake up at 545. I so get up every morning at, at 410, young man. Okay. I like that. And it's your fault. Because I get up at 410 and I go out and I walk for, say, two miles. And while mm-hmm. I'm doing that walk, I'm shooting all these videos, which you see some of them. And I'm not complaining. I'm bragging. And I try to be in my office before 7 every morning. And I remember back in the old mentoring calls, probably the first round of mentor calls that Grant had, he got into this beat the sun up thing. And it, mm-hmm. shit, that's early. <laughs> But so, and it was real easy for me. All I decided was I need to go to bed at seven thirty every night. That's my target. I never make it to yeah. around eight thirty. But you know, I'm a little bit older than you, and my body's a little bit more run down than yours is. But I've got a, I'm in a routine. I've got a discipline, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I haven't figured out how to cut my relationship with Comcast or Xfinity. But I don't watch much TV anymore. Yeah, I don't have any time for it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think the routine is really important. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people bypass that for comfort, you know, and so yeah, I don't really think it matters how early you wake up. It's like, hey, what is the routine? You know, so like, are you getting seven, eight hours of sleep at night? You know, so, you know, I think that's the most important thing. And then getting up early is just successful because, you know, look, you're probably not going to have any meetings. You know, people don't really do a lot of business before like eight or 9 a.m. And so it allows you to get things done and just closing out cycles of action every morning, you know, so you wake up. For me, I wake up, I do training every morning. I run every single morning. I run like minimum two miles. On my off days, it's two miles. Usually it's like three or four miles. I'll run that every single day, you know? And so like I wake up, I do training, I write my goals down, I run a couple miles, I put my suit on. I've done so much moving into my day. But you're not wearing a suit and walking to work anywhere, right? 
I'm not. I'm not. Yes. And I can drive to work now. So, you know, I got a nice car to drive in. That's awesome. So, you know, but like you get a lot done and like you get to carry that momentum into the day, you know? So I think a lot of people like when you rush, when you skip, when you don't wake up and you're like trying to be, this is my old habits, by the way, wake up late, not work out in the mornings, run to work, you know, not put my tie on until I got to work, you know, like all types of stuff, you know, bad habits. Have you seen the video where that admiral talked about the seal training, making the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I was a high school baseball coach for my listeners who don't know that, and I went to a new school, and I suddenly figured out. Now, all of my players were. I was a varsity coach. My players were sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen years old, and I had got this inclination that they weren't taking care of anything. So I told them that every morning they had to get up and they had to text me a picture of their bed mate. Yeah, and I got a lot of pushback from the kids, but about three right. days into the program. I get a call from one of the kids' moms, and I says, I, she told me, I says, I want you to know that you've ruined my day. I said, what did I do? She says, I don't normally take care of my son's room to the afternoons, and now because you're making him take these pictures, I've got to go in and clean up his room in the morning. <laughs> I want to say, did you wow. listen to what you just said? Yeah. Your child has no chance to survive in this world if you're making yeah. it. Wow. That's crazy. I got a good lesson from Grant, actually. Uh, let's see. It was probably, yes, yeah, five or six years ago. And, you know, we're in the room and we're making phone calls and, you know, we're going at our day and he pops in there and he's just yelling, you know, he's like, who left the damn fork with the peanut butter in the sink? You know, and like, and I'm sitting here, we're like making all these calls. We're trying to sell like $30,000 training programs and turn around and I'm like, like, why is this guy talking about the fork in the sink? You know, obviously I don't say that. And he's just so, I can see he's lit up on this thing too. I mean, he's so mad about it. He's like, this shit just pisses me off. But then he starts to get into it. He's like, if you guys can't close that cycle, how are you going to close the deal? <laughs> and I started to think about it. He's like, you guys need to be closing all your cycles. He's like, he's like, you guys need to make, look, clean up your cars, clean up your desk. He's like, get that shit off your desk right there. I mean, this guy was lit up on it. And I didn't know why at that time. And then I'm like, man, you know, and I really started to think about it. I'm like, dude, why is it the guy? These are little things I picked up about Grant along the way. I've had these little thoughts many times, but they're big like realizations where I was like, why is this guy who's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars worried about the freaking fork in the kitchen? With the peanut butter on it. (laughs) With the peanut butter on it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, dude, who cares? You know? And then I started, and then I always start to ask, I'm like, dude, why am I not worried about it? You know, why is he worried about it? I'm not worried about it. You know, what does he know that I don't know? You know, it's funny because now, you know, we've got these with our salespeople, like I'm so brutal, you know, I'm like, pick stuff up, you know, I'm like, close your cycles, you know, and I give them the same lesson, you know, I'm like, dude, you guys got this, this stuff all over your desk. If you can't finish, if you can't complete that cycle of action, how are you going to close the deal? How are you going to follow up customers? You guys got all this junk everywhere. You know, I had one guy recently, dude, I actually had to tell the guy to clean his car out, you know, and I'm like, you're costing me money having that dirty of a car by not cleaning. So when the story about the Admiral that came out about make your bed, like, man, like we've been really, we've been pushing hard on actually doing that for many years. So like, I love that video. I was in high agreement with it too. Cool. So from me to you, the audience, if you want any training, you want a friend inside the Cardone family, call Steve Spray. Steve, give them your number so they can call you. Yeah. If you guys want to reach out, my cell phone is 317-753-5608. You guys can reach out to me. You guys can email me, Steve, S-T-E-V-E at grantcardone.com. You know, if you guys like what you heard today, you guys thought that, you know, hey, look, I've been in a situation like that, but maybe I didn't get out. 
look at Grant Cardone. Go to grantcardone.com. We've got some unbelievable programs that I personally would love to help you out. And you are now also pretty high up in the, the Cardone Automotive part of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm doing both of those actually. So I do Cardone Automotive Sales and I do on the other side. Yeah. So we've uh, this year has been a little bit different where you know I spent some time doing only automotive, but you know we're, we're doing both now. So I got so many clients. You know, Tom, you're one of my clients. I got clients in the furniture space and, you know, roofing and tax sales and insurance sales. So, you know, it just works out better for me to to stay wide like that. Perfect. Well, I want to tell you that from my heart to you, I appreciate you so much. I know I don't give you enough acknowledgement, but when the next time I get a chance, I'm going to smack you with the back of my hand on your chest. (laughs) So you feel like you're totally acknowledged. Now I know what you really need to be acknowledged. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate you all you do for the planet. I appreciate all you do for my company. And you can rest assured I'm going to ask for something else real soon. Yeah, yeah, you always can, Tom. I'm always happy to help out, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, sir. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing you soon. All right. So that will be the end of today's podcast. Again, if you need some personal assistance, you want to get smarter, you want to get younger, you want to get learn how to make more money, you want to figure out how to scale up your business, you want all of that kind of stuff, this is your guy. I totally recommend him with all my heart. So that's the end of today's podcast. I hope you have as much fun as I did. It's fun talking to my personal friends, especially young guys like Steve that I learn something from every time I talk to him because I'm a student. So good night. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then X-L-E-N-Z.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.